I had really thought about how I was going to approach recording this tonight. So let me go ahead and start off with an introduction. Hello, once again. I am Mario, the artisan rogue. And um, if my voice sounds a little rough, um, I was actually pretty emotional about 20 minutes ago. Um, because I just got finished watching the end of Gravity Falls. For any of you out there that uh, that know what I'm talking about, um, Gravity Falls was a show that came out, it debuted now 10 years ago. I had always held off on it. For a long time, I had a rather misaligned viewpoint of a lot of the cartoons that were coming out that had that uh, Cal Arts look to them. And I know that the very first one I had tried to watch was Steven Universe. And although it's a fine show and it, it actually is quite a beautiful looking show, it never really locked with me. And the same went through with the same sort of thing with my thinking with uh, Adventure Time. And I've, I've tried multiple times to get into those shows and it just never really worked. It was either something about the aesthetic, the theme, or just the overall look. It just didn't really work for me. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I must be on the outlier or I'm just too old or maybe my tastes just don't run that direction. And somehow about it's now been. I'm counting this on the times that I was working on my comic book. I uh, date the pages on there. And according to this, about five or six days ago, I decided to give Gravity Falls a chance. It was on Hulu. And uh, it still is for 10 more days as of today. And I guess they're going to remove it. I was not prepared for the <laughs> roller coaster of emotions that I was going to experience with that show. I watched 40 episodes in that stretch of time in just a matter of days. I was floored, completely stunned by how that show affected me. Now, I want to preface this by saying that I've had a lot of shows that I've really loved. Some that resonated with me in a lot of different ways. Um, one of the more recent ones would be the the uh, DreamWorks uh, She-Ra show, which I thought was an excellent show. And I liked it a lot. You know, But that was one where I could handle the episodic watching of it, maybe watch one or two episodes and go, you know, that was really good. This is, I grew up watching He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and the She-Ra show. I liked them both a lot. And I liked that mythos and that whole thing with Etheria and all that. And, um, you know, one of my perennial favorites to this day is uh, Futurama. The only episode that I've never seen of Futurama is Jurassic Bark with Fry's dog. I, I just, I can't bring myself yet. I've started to watch it. I've watched maybe two to three minutes of it. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, 
and I'm not sure why. It's probably just because I just I I don't think I'm capable of handling that emotional toll. Um, and then the other uh, show that I really liked a lot that you know it had a it had a particular scene in there with uh, the main character Bean was Disenchantment, and uh, that one. Oh man, I'm saying Disenchantment right now. My brain is so fried i can't remember if it's disenchanted or just disenchantment i believe it is disenchantment oh man there go my credentials right there what little i had but no seriously there have been shows like those that you know they i watch futurama religiously if i'm working on something or i can't find anything else to watch i'll just put that on repeat i'll start episode one season one and go forward and i'll get hours of whatever i'm working on freelance contract work cleaning you name it um even when i was working at uh i was working in another location recently i just put my earphones on and listened to the episodes i know them so well i've seen them so many times that i could recite practically what the actions are they're taking i know them on cue because of what the voice actors have uh done with uh their performances so with this show gravity falls um aside from one or two people that were in the show. I lost myself in the performances so much that I didn't even really care who was voicing them. And that sounds like a disservice to the voice actors. I don't mean it like that. I mean, I really, I didn't realize who the voices were at first. And with some of them, although they seemed familiar, I was so lost in what the characterization, the performance and the way that they panned out that they really, it's almost like, I know this is going to sound really weird and meta, but it's almost like if they're in my mind, it's like, well, if there really are voice actors, those people stole the voices from these cartoon characters who are very real. That sounds a little nuts, doesn't it? But that's how powerful it was for me. Now, thematically, I don't know about you guys, but for me, like I was in Weeblos and Boy Scouts. So summer camp was a mix for me, but it was definitely that aesthetic that I really enjoyed, right? Now, for me, it was being in a Boy Scout uniform, but the whole log cabins and camping out and trails and trees and all these other sorts of things were a big part of my life growing up. And I've always been an outdoor enthusiast. I don't do it as much as I used to, but for quite a few years, that was a huge thing for me. And there's a whole there's a whole thing about that. And then recently, having gone to Yellowstone National Park and seeing stuff out there, all of that started to cross back. Now I understand Gravity Falls is based in a town that is in Oregon, but it's still deep in the woods. And the amazing part was, uh, Alex Hirsch, the creator of this, he's a, he's a Cal arts graduate. He did an amazing job. And I think this was his first real animation gig, right? The one that he led, the one that he was the creative driving force for at Disney. Um, he did an amazing job. Him, the writers, the animators, the storyboard artists, the the environmental artists, bringing this town to life. Yes, the characters are a little bizarre looking, and they definitely have that CalArts look to them. You know, the whole tube noodle arm, you know, some have three fingers. And I noticed in the show, which I had to look this up to make sure I wasn't crazy, um, I noticed that, yes, you know, there's one particular character that has 
six fingers, but there's, um, I'm trying to keep like, why am I trying to keep this spoiler free? I, I think anyone I'm talking to or anyone listening to this has seen this show at infinitum. And so I noticed that with some characters, they had four fingers or five fingers or, you know, three. And it was really weird to see that. And I, I was like, man, even the, the details, the way that they took, depending on age, size, design of the character was stunning. Well, for me, the best part about all of it was just how relatable the characters could be. And I found facets of myself in so many of the characters. Dipper was definitely, geez, man, I was actually really taken aback by how much I found of myself in the character of Dipper. It was, it was really weird. And I mean, like almost uncanny, just, um, his moments of embarrassment, awkwardness, strangeness, you name it. It was just, and, and none of it came off to be, um, to be cheesy or cringy. It just was as relatable as it could be at the exact same time, hilariously entertaining. It reminded me to a degree of the way that, uh, oh gosh, Fred Savage did, uh, the performance on the wonder years of his character. And I didn't watch a lot of that show either, but the few episodes I did watch, um, uh, if there was any cringing, it was only because I could relate to what he was going through and like just all of the awkwardness of growing up, going to school, trying to, you know, deal with your family, a weirder, angrier, older brother, a mom and dad dynamic, you name it. But this one was unique in that they were staying with their, you know, great uncle Stan and they had all this, you know, it, it definitely had a, a kick in of like an X-Files and Scooby-Doo like sort of feel to it because of all the, the wild things, the monsters, the, the spiritual stuff, the occult, all of that in there. And when you least expect it, I'm going to just go ahead and go full spoiler because I figure um, most people have seen the show. And um, unlike me, who's now struggling to find people to talk to about this, um, <laughs> I I just wanted to say, you know, something about this in this podcast because it really did affect me. And so and I also wanted to be able to talk about like it's crazy how something like this can come along and, and just completely change my viewpoint on, you know, an, an art aesthetic I hadn't really, really liked before, but getting back to the storyline and what they had involved in there, I was really blown away that even, you know, I was, since I was so dead set against the Cal arts look, I was like, there's no way I'm going to like the aesthetic enough to want to believe a lot of the things in there from the animals and creatures and the environments and all these other things. But what really shocked me was even though it had that look and that feel to it, the coloration, the overall color studies, the just the environmental design and the way that the characters were portrayed and acted made everything meld together so believably, so beautifully that it there were many times I paused the video. And thankfully there was a website out there that had a lot of great screen captures um, from the video. And I was completely blown away by how just crazy. Some of the artwork was for this thing. I think it was rough draft Korea. The same people that, um, I think I believe work on the Simpsons. They were the main animation house for it. Um, it's really stunning to me 
in a way that this show only had two seasons that were 20 episodes each. And, um, and, and it aired, I guess, from what I was able to read, like it, it came out somewhere mid 2012 and ran until I think the early part or like just into the, well, it was in the first quarter of 2016. Um, and I, I certainly remember a lot of people really being into it. Now, the crazy part is, even though I remember people being into it, something that struck me, and, and of course, now with my newfound obsession with the show, you know, I wanted to see, like, what sort of merchandise had there been? What was out there? And for a moment, I actually really forgot that uh, it's a Disney show. You know, it debuted on Disney XD. I think that's now defunct. Um, And... The guy, Alex Hirsch, I think he was like in his early 20s when he did this show, um, which would make him now like mid 30s or something or maybe early 30s or something, um, which is completely mind blowing to me that, you know, kudos to that kid, man, that dude, like, that's amazing uh, that he managed to get this on the way out. Now, I have run across some interviews with him where he seems a little, um, um, I wouldn't say um, that he has animosity, but uh, like he's critical of a lot of the decisions that Disney made from what I understand. I believe he had in he had intended on ending the show after two seasons. Um, I was a little confused why, because I guess, and this is something that like I've had conversations with other artists about this. If you have a good thing, you know, you kind of wonder, do you want it just to keep going on? But I read one particular interview where he, he didn't call out the other series, but, he was like, you know, at what point does it just go on too long? Well, what immediately came to mind for me was The Simpsons, Family Guy, South Park. These are, you know, legacy shows that have done just about everything. I mean, the running joke is, well, The Simpsons have already done that, you know, as far as a storyline or some sort of thing that will be on their show. And this was really a beautiful, like, man, just nostalgia tinted Polaroid of a time during summer. It, this show elicited so much of the eighties kid in me. It hurt. I mean, I was like, good God, man. Um, yes, it's fantastic. Yes. It uses a lot of crazy paranormal and odd stuff, even alien stuff. It just, just wild how it goes. But it was something that surprised me was that Along the way, it managed to have a timeless factor. I've talked about this before with other movies, namely Ghostbusters, the original first one. And uh, there's a few other ones that are, are not coming to mind at the moment. But they're movies that when you watch them, although you're aware of a certain particular time because of, especially with live action films, that, you know, the actor's age or, or the era or maybe some cars in the background or just music or, or whatever. But you... Even with those elements, there's a certain aspect to it that is just familiar, immediately familiar. And it doesn't seem like that movie, it it doesn't seem like it ages, although it does. This show, Gravity Falls, had a unique aspect in that it felt like it could have, it had, oh, you know what? Another one like that is Toy Story, the first one. Um, it had this feeling like, they were sort of in a world where the 80s was melded with the 50s, but made you feel like it was today. 
I did notice in Toy Story 3 and 4 that it inherently jumps forward to a much more modern factor because you see uh, the owner of the toys, Andy, much older, you know, and getting older and things are changing. But those first two, it's like an endless childhood aspect, you know. And I remember this is from my own personal thing. This is what triggered it so powerfully for me beyond the incredible art and all the other stuff was that as I was watching the show, I was immediately transported to the summers that I had in high school. Now, I did not have an easy time in high school. I uh, I was not popular. I got picked on a lot. There was a lot of things that were just nuts. And I was super freaking awkward. Um, just an oddball. And that's okay. You know, I've, I've grown to accept that now. And it is what it is. But I love the fact that during those years, my um, my moments of solace were often the, the summers because I could get away from everybody. I could kind of do my own thing, whether it was gaming or reading books or working on artwork, you know, trying to allow myself to dream that I was going to do that sort of thing when I got older or whatever else I had wanted to do. And um, it's uh, it was a pretty wild feeling especially this last episode that i watched here just a little bit ago watching the characters take their choices and move onward there was a lot of a lot of payoff which was fantastic and it was very hard to watch because i can remember you know having especially the the summer right after high school i hadn't decided where i was going to go to college how i was going to afford college what i was going to do none of that so I had this weird, nebulous, aimless sort of summer right after high school. And I was like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. I mean, technically, I still don't totally know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm an adult now, damn it. So that's okay, I, I guess. Maybe culturally that might be okay. Um, Sorry, I had to take a drink. It's super dry here in the studio. And I can't have the humidifier running while I'm recording. Uh, so some of the other things that, uh, that I was, you know, brought back to remember was, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like the whole boy scout thing, there were just so many things that worked well in gravity falls. And I don't think I'd ever had a show that hit all of those beats for me that well, ever, ever. And it was crazy. It was just totally insane. Now I will say that something that popped into my head was there is a fairly obscure um ios mobile app called campers and it's exactly what you may think it is i have a, a copy of it that is i think still accessible on like my iphone 5 i tend to keep a lot of my old iphones and um i fired up every once in a while and it has this very, the, the app is extremely broken but um Basically, you build a little campsite, and I guess the developers had anticipated that the campsite would keep growing and they would keep supporting the app, but app development is a weird thing, and sometimes apps, unless they're featured by big companies like Nintendo or something, they don't really last that long. But the aesthetic of those characters very much matched a lot of this sort of thing, kind of like almost chibi-headed, large-headed little characters, and it was it was building all these little log cabins, and there was a chance to find Bigfoot in the trees. I, I played the hell out of that game. And for some reason, that also came right back into my head, and I was like, this is really surreal to encounter a show that would encapsulate so many of my interests or, 
or memories all in one. So, I mean, it almost was to the point of feeling like I was indoctrinated into this thing. Whenever I started watching the show, I'm like, I can't stop watching this. It was crazy. And it, and now I'm extremely sad that it's over. Now, sure, I can go back and watch it. And it will absolutely become something that I will watch. I'm going to give it a day or two to kind of just process what I watched and um, and mull over the things. There were, and even the characters in there. Like, I really thought, you know, like there's other shows that I've watched where I'm like, I can't stand certain characters. Or there's some characters I don't really care about. There's not one character in this show of the main cast that I didn't immediately just totally become obsessed with. And it sounds weird to say that, but it's because, you know, for me, beyond the acting, beyond the character design, all that, there were little intricacies and weird ways they would interact with each other that were just so well written and so well put together that the payoffs in the last few episodes made sense. And I loved the change in the evolution. Now, I will touch on a few things that I thought were kind of nuts, um, but I thought were also rather cool. I am always stunned whenever I'll finish watching a show like that or something. And then, you know, and for any of you that know how this will go or, or that understand what I'm about to say, um, you know, I hope you agree with me on this. There is something about whether it's a Star Wars film or something, anything that's big in popular culture. Um, and the Internet is forever. So remember that part. I love that I can go out and I could do a search on Google. I, I I dare you guys to do it right now. Google Gravity Falls. You will probably find a ton of Tumblr posts or um, Reddit, you know, areas or things on Twitter that are like eight, nine years old. Ancient YouTubes that are like season three is coming. Alex Hirsch is actually going to make it on. his. I mean, just crazy, crazy clickbait crap. But it all goes to show how loved this show was. And I certainly missed the boat as far as the initial impression and the enjoyment of it with a whole bunch of other people. But it didn't damper it for me. That's how well, that's how damn good this show is. Now, I am surprised that it didn't continue onward. And I did read an article where he had hoped, Alex Hirsch had hoped that he would have been able to, to move on forward with a game, like a mobile game, a kind of a world-exploring game. Um, and which I could totally see on something like the switch and certainly any of the other platforms that are out right now. And I think it'd be amazing, which did lead me down to discovering that there was a Nintendo 3ds game for gravity falls that I had no idea about. Of course, I had no interest. I may very well have seen it in stores. I just decided not to pick it up because I was turned off by the cover art. And, um, and now I'm trying to find a copy of it and I had a complete copy of this game, which I don't even know how many copies were available uh runs about 60 to 80 dollars with and i'm not even talking sealed i'm talking just with the case the instructions and the cartridge on ebay now it's probably a little bit inflated hype is everything these days but aside from that i haven't i think jazzwares the toy company made some american toy releases that were okay i looked them up and i was like you know the sculpts aren't really great it's classic jazzware stuff doesn't look that great to me um and there was like maybe a few other things that debuted out there as far as, you know, merchandising. But Disney has struck me as something which, okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit. I'll come full circle back on this. The article I'd read with Alex Hirsch, she seemed a little bit angry with Disney because he had this wonderful show 
you know, Gravity Falls. And yes, he had, from what I can tell, intended on ending it after the second season because it was simply supposed to be a snapshot. And it was something of a biographical fantasy version of him and his twin sister's years growing up. And I thought that was wonderful as well, too. Now, there was, I believe, um, Gravity Falls Lost Legends, which was like a continuation story. Um, I, I've yet to read that. I think that came around around late 2017, 2018, something like that. And um, and there have certainly been call-outs and inspirations. Like, the very first time I noticed anything about it, and I was like, well, wait a minute. If the creators of Rick and Morty included this, then there's got to be something there. Um, there is an episode of Rick and Morty where there's these portals that some of these other Ricks that are chasing Rick and Morty are running through. And you do see journal number three, I believe. And like a coffee mug and a pencil, something like that. There's some items that fall out that are clearly gravity falls. And I'm also in, in, in regard to this interview, when he was talking about this show, you know, it was his first time out when you do work for a company and your um, contract underneath them, you don't own what you create. You might have permission to say, yeah, I'm Alex Hirsch, creator of Gravity Falls, and his name is certainly on the show intro of every episode with the exception of the last three, which I believe just say Bill Cipher on him, the villain. But the... Uh, I I have n- I would n- I don't know what this would feel like to be in his shoes like this, but I've I've been through a similar factor where when you create something and you're really proud of it and it either starts to take off or it has some potential. When you're working for a company, the chances of you actually getting any real recognition is pretty low. Now with Disney, he certainly got the recognition, but if he wants to do something more with it, that is not his intellectual property. It belongs to the House of Mouse. And what I'm shocked about is that they haven't done more with it. I think that from everything I've been able to read, which is now 10 years worth of stuff that I have stumbled across, and certainly I didn't read all of it, but I was gathering the highlights of it and looking at everything from, you know, the few critical negative reviews of the show that I stumbled across or or thoughts to vast amounts of fan art and creative takes and fanfic oh lord that is a whole other thing but the love was clearly there and is still there it's you know no it's not a harry potter level but it is certainly strong that brings me to a point where as much as i would have loved for there to have been more seasons and for him to have done more things with it. Maybe it was the best thing that it really was only the two seasons. You know, it does make it a little bit sad, but sometimes that's exactly what it is. And going back to what I was stating earlier, that summer that I had right after I graduated high school. Yeah, there's, I mean, I think everybody gets that moment presented in their life. Like, oh man, if you could go back to one moment in life, what would that be? It would probably be that year. If I could, if I could do that, right? I, I don't believe I'd really want to, you know, I mean, cause there's a lot of other things I don't want to go through, but, um, if it was, if I could definitely just visit it for a, you know, a week, maybe max, just, just to have that moment back and kind of know what was going on. Um, that would be something right. And, it, and, you know, talking about that plot wise, you know, the fact that, that, uh, 
that that was something and nostalgia definitely seemed to be something that that hit hard in this show and not for the sake of nostalgia that's what's really crazy um dipper's sister mabel was actually it seemed like she had self-imprisoned herself at the end of the show in a world that allowed time to stay within a bubble and uh and she was shattering reality by trying to hold on to it and i i had never seen somebody really put that out there as far as challenging what nostalgia means for people now i get it you know and there's and dipper in turn ends up making a a moment in there where he uh you know he talks about how it's not easier getting older and time passing and all these other things and there were some definite life choices in there that i thought were really strong and well portrayed i think if i have one criticism of the show i understand it's a disney show i understand it's a children's show but there was parts in there where i felt that there could have been a bit i was worried that there were some going to be some moments that seemed emotionally voided and what i mean by that is this i think that there could have been some really powerful things that could have happened had um, mortality been more of a reality in that show. I have often been at odds with a lot of people in this because I believe that talking about mortality, death, passing, aging is something that why shy away from that? Now, I'm not saying like slasher level or violence. I'm not saying for the sake of violence. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that like I I honestly did before I kind of really understood where this show was going and reminding myself consistently, Hey, this was on Disney XD. They were never going to do this. I did have a point in my head where I thought, my God, what, you know, like this is one of those shows that almost is almost the kind that doesn't care about pulling, you know, they, they don't care to pull punches that it would not be beyond them to get rid of the moral center of, of the cast in some way. I was rather surprised that their great uncle Stan made it to the end. I was also surprised Mabel made it to the end. I don't know why I kept thinking that really, but those were the two characters. I thought one of these two is going to cash it in. I really did. Um, the rest of them I thought were, were still necessary enough to make the, to be needed in the narrative and to carry onward. But I think, had Mabel actually died, I think that that would have changed it in a lot of ways that would certainly not have been family friendly, would have been absolutely devastating and heartbreaking. I love the Mabel character, but I thought out of all of them, even over Stan, she would have been the one that probably would have gone out in a selfless way to have saved her family and done something good because it seemed like over the seasons, the two of them that her and her brother were growing further apart. But I did like how poetic it was that it sort of came back full circle and Dipper was like, I'm not going to leave you now. A part of that is a little, I think unrealistic in respect. Now I'm, I understand granted I'm talking about a show that has aliens and monsters and magic and interdimensional beings. I get that. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm saying that, Whenever Dipper said, I'm not going to leave you, we're going to grow up together. I thought, 
out of people, I'm not a twin, but out of people I've known in my life from grade school on up that had been twins, a few of them do stick around and stay around each other and everything, but you don't really grow up together. You have families separate. You do things differently, and some grow to be very different people from one another and maybe aren't so joined at the hip. Now, I understand, too, that from a psychological standpoint, if you're 12 going on 13, of course, you still are in the zone of I'm going to do everything I can to preserve what there is here because this is important right now. So there was a clarity and a reality in there for me on that. But I did also think, too, with their great uncle Stan, that something there would have been beautifully um, tragic if he had given his life for his family. Now, that would have left, you know, and, and then I was really surprised when they erased his memory, which I thought, OK, so they did do it. They his memory is gone. I did think that part, even though because that would have been an incredible lead in to season three, had that happened, right? Would have been a quest to have helped Stan regain his memories. And I, and when he lost his memories in the end episode, I was like, oh my God, they did it. This is, this is really good. This is, it would have been sad. It, it would have made the ending even more heavy because saying goodbye to somebody who's essentially now become a stranger as they're heading back to California on the, on the bus, it would have just been that much more painful and bizarre and odd, which in a way I think would have really rounded out the feel of the show, which was always odd, bizarre, and a little unexpected. Um, some of the other things too, that I, uh, I really, really did like that. They didn't shy away from aspects of being dramatic from the aspect of being a kid. Because I think a lot of times there are shows out there that whenever they develop children like characters within a children's show, they unfortunately tend to make them either a little stupid or eventually, if the show lasts long enough, they become parodies of themselves. I like certain early episodes and seasons of The Simpsons, but I feel that they the writing can either get lazy or the characterization through the voice actor can sometimes become monotonous or I'm just here for a paycheck. And uh, I I felt that way about Bart Simpson. I felt that way about Fry and Bender and Futurama toward the end, except for a few episodes really, really at the end where I was like, okay, yeah, this is good. Um, And I've seen that in some other shows too, that, that aren't just coming to mind right now. But the other thing too, you know, I was, I began to understand why other show creators who had worked on Rick and Morty and um, Inside Job and some of these other newer shows, they had talked about how powerful Gravity Falls was for them, how it had given them a whole nother direction that although they could have sardonic and bitter um, or very edgy and cutting sort of humor, that there still had to be an undergrowth of family and of real emotion in there. And there have been some episodes of Rick and Morty that I have been completely stunned by the emotional depth. There was one particular one and I'm not the biggest Rick and Morty fan. So forgive me. I'm not going to remember all the episodes, but there's the one where, um, Rick finds another world. There's only like a few probabilities that he would have found this other earth where after everything goes all Cronenberg on theirs, it was the love potion episodes. What it was. Um, he gets 
Morty and they go move to this other world where uh, the the previously inhabited uh, Rick and Morty are killed seconds before they get there. They bury them out back and they just resume life like nothing happened. Rick adjusts quickly, which is probably a the first thing that unnerves the hell out of Morty. And then Morty sitting there just literally looking around going, I just left my entire world going to insanity. And now I'm sitting in a brand new living room or an old lived in, you know, living room that previous me prior me called home. And none of these people are any wiser for who I am and what's going on. And I remember just the sadness of that moment, the song playing, just the, the, it was like a real reality check for me through the eyes of Morty. You know, and I thought, man, there's a lot of heart in that scene right there. It kind of reminded me of like even the last episode of Moral Oral, which, man, that's a show that I probably will never be able to watch in its entirety back all the way through. But because there's just so much heartbreaking stuff in that show. But that's another one that was really powerful. Now, that one certainly predated Gravity Falls by a few years. Um, But I think cut from a similar cloth, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, as far as like, you know, not really shying away from like good character development. Um, so then, uh, I know that when I was looking into the history of this, um, it did have a huge following overseas, Canada, uh, and other places like that. And I, one that really surprised me, I'm going to get back to this here in a second, talking toys, um, that really surprised me. So because of that following, I often wonder like what Disney is thinking. Like, are you aware how much of an impact this show has had? But I often have had a theory about Disney. I, I do like Disney movies. I will watch them and certainly a fan of the MCU and stuff like that. So, you know, anything under the mouse of house like that. Sure. I'll watch it. I like it. Um, but I do think that Disney is a kind of an odd beast, right? They're kind of becoming this, large monopoly. They own a lot of things and they own the Fox properties. Now all this other stuff. Um, and I think that they go after what they know will be big mega blockbuster things, right? Like, like the recent Spider-Man movie, um, like star Wars and they, they want to return, you know, they're a business They're They're not in it to necessarily, you know, uh, do anything more than make us, the consumers as happy as possible the quickest way possible and the cheapest way possible. I mean, that's kind of the corporate way, but with, um, certain shows like gravity falls, I've noticed that they just didn't do anything with it. I couldn't figure out why there was so much influence in the, in the creative field. Um, the show was well received, especially overseas. And, uh, like, I mean, I was reading about like, where was it here? The international broadcast were like a few years, like 2015 was when it started. So it was in the UK, um, where are my notes here, New Zealand, um, in Southeast Asia, the middle East regions had it in 2012. Um, gosh, what else to see here? Da, da, da. Australia, Chile, um, Canada, Indonesia, there was just a bunch of them. Right. Um, and so, and, and, you know, of course, when you start broadcasting overseas, there's some changes design-wise because symbols can mean certain things. But for the most part, it was still a really big hit. Now, going back to that point, this is something that I didn't understand. So I was recently like, whenever I find a show like this I really like, I, I want to get things right. And I've been always surprised whenever something is 
somewhat popular to really popular, and you just don't have a lot of merchandise out there for it. And I don't think this was a case of like Bill Watterson where he's like, no, it, you know, I don't want anyone to have Calvin and Hobbes toys. It doesn't make sense. It's a comic strip. I completely respect that man's take on it. In this circumstance, we're talking about freaking Disney, who if they could, if they could make, you know, Disney stores on every corner of every neighborhood, they would. But I remember, and I'm going to give you an example of like a micro collection that I really appreciated. Um, although I wish more had come out. Whenever uh, Netflix had opted to let the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance happen, there were a couple of different online places that had the uh, the new action figures that came out. And there, I believe it was Super 7 or maybe Reaction, I'm not exactly sure who, who had put out the original Dark Crystal ones. And I think I own most all of them. I'm only missing one figure. They were increasingly hard to find. They are incredibly hard to find now for any decent prices. But they came out with a well, not all of the characters, but the majority of the main characters and a few secondary characters that were really cool. And that entire collection fits into a small 12 by 12 box display I have over here. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because that was something that arguably has about a similar size, probably fandom to Gravity Falls, right? It's fairly niche to a certain degree. And if, and also an older property that did get reinvigorated recently now, Gravity Falls didn't have any reinvigoration that happened in these recent days, except for guys like me that wait 10 years to watch a show. <laughs> All four of us, I guess, probably right now. But I was surprised that there wasn't any, you know, like I, I always go on eBay and look or any one of these other auction sites or Etsy, anything, looking for anything. I could find a lot of unauthorized stuff, you know. The, the normal stuff like enamel pins or like clay figurines or, you know, screen printed shirts with like, you know, clearly screen captured art. That stuff I found. And then I only found a small selection of very hard to find, damn near impossible to acquire jazzware figurines of the majority of the characters. Um, no, of a good section of the characters. So you got like Dipper and Mabel and Stan and God, I think maybe one or two other people in that. It, it wasn't a lot, um, which is kind of sad because the character designs are so crazy that I was like, man, there really had to be a lot of other ones um, that would have worked out really well. Well, I recently, thanks to one person that was really kind on Reddit, they were talking about a company called Provost or pro roast. I, I can't remember. They're a Russian toy company. I'm talking a Russian Federation toy company from Russia that made a, um, if pictures can be believed, you can look this up, look up gravity falls, figurines, Russian Federation. They are officially licensed by Disney. I can't even make this up. There is no American toy release. There is nothing like that going on right now. Right. And, and, between the, the, the retroism wave and just pop culture waves of things that are happening, like there's pop vinyls of some of these characters that have come out and even those have become a little bit more scarce, right? This show has managed to do the exact same sort of thing that disenchantment did where there's not a lot of stuff out there. There is a, to use an example of disenchantment, there is a gorgeous, uh, I think it's a cast resonance polystone, uh, statue of the three main characters from the show 
And I'm talking, it is gorgeous. And I think it's a couple of hundred dollars to get it. And also now no longer available. I managed to find somebody who was carrying these uh, Russian figures and they're not cheap. They, I think the figurines are three to four inches tall, maybe. And they run about 10 to $15, depending on the character, but they have Stan, um, Bill, uh, the twins, um, Suze and, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting her name already. I am so damn tired already. That's, it's just my, my brain is shot. Um, God, you know, you know who I'm talking about? Jesus. Um, Wendy Corduroy, who turned out to be my favorite character in the whole show, uh, right behind Dipper. Um, the, uh, the, so these characters were made in these wonderful sculpted figurines. I've seen some renders and I've seen some, uh, in hand pictures and they are stunning. They blow away the stuff from Jazzwares. Um, the packaging is in Russian, which is stunning and amazing to me. I was like, holy crap, that's crazy. So I really want to get some of these and hopefully I'll be able to come through with that. And then, um, I might do something on YouTube about that because it's so nuts. And then I did find that there had been a release of, I think journal number three, and then the, the book with some additional adventures and like a few other things here and there, there is an official dipper hat that you can still get on Amazon. Um, that it's licensed. There's a few things like that, but nothing much else. And I was really surprised by that. You know, it, it's one of those things where I always wonder when companies sit on IPs and they don't do anything more with them, um, that, that maybe they'll recycle certain aspects of it, but they don't let the worlds grow beyond that. At the same time that you'll have fandoms that are crying for like, Hey, this is a really good thing. Can we have more of this? Or can we explore something else within it or, or whatever? Um, and that's that's always just a strange, strange thing uh, to me to see companies do that. And I've just never understood that. I, I just don't get it. I, in fact, I can even tell you that there were like four or five IPs when I was working at Hallmark. I remember they used to have this thing where you could submit a creative idea. I've talked about this before. And I would always come up with new pitches or ideas or something with it. Now, they have the the main brass at that company have all the communication skills of a piece of driftwood with everybody else. They just, unless you work there full time and you know a person who knows a person who knows a person who scratched somebody else's back, you, you just aren't going to get anywhere in that company. And I certainly didn't, not, not creatively or anything else like that. But they had some wonderful original IPs that should have been much bigger, could have become very mainstream. They could have turned them into something really big. And... I know that people are, you know, anyone listening to this is probably like, oh, what, Hallmark? I'm like, no, listen, Hallmark had Rainbow Bright. At one point in time, they had a theatrical freaking movie of that. And that was a huge mainstay of the 80s. So, yeah, they, they had, now their recent IPs probably weren't of the same caliber, but that's only because they weren't massaged in that direction. So, that being said, I certainly understand what it's like to do these you know, to be involved with a company that has IPs like this and this sort of thing. And then kind of see, to see them sort of float off to the side and just dissipate is really heartbreaking. And this is one, um, though that gravity falls is definitely one that, although I'm happy that, you know, it ended how it did and, you know, sure. A little sad and heartbroken over the way that some of this stuff panned out. Um, I, you know, I, to the point that I even, you know, was thinking to myself, like, I've got to go back and watch it again because 
I know that I have more thoughts about this show, and it's, it's still fresh in my memory and in my mind. So it's, um, you know, it made me want to talk about this on a podcast. I've been spending 45 minutes now talking about this. Um, it's just, I don't know. When you, when you see something like that, the good thing is it helped me kind of get over a rough hump that I was having with my comic. I was having a hell of a time kind of trying to decide where I was going to take it and how sometimes if not all the times, that slow burn, that initial bit of storytelling where you take a moment to get to know the characters before all hell breaks loose or before really crazy changes come along, that time is absolutely worth it. And it mimics and reflects real life like that. I have known people that, whether it was in workplaces or other things like that, that, you know, it's kind of that thing like when you go work somewhere, I can use a good example of that. When I was working at the Nelson Art Museum, you know, I was security guard there over the COVID close down time. And, um, you know, at first I didn't know if I was going to really gel with anyone there. I, you know, got to know quite a few people there and, you know, was pretty friendly with the great majority of them. And it's crazy because to me, this is something that this show really hit me with that. I was like, man, that that's really good, man. Uh <laughs> You know, thinking about in regards to Alex Hirsch, how he pulled this off, how they all pulled it off, the entire creative team. There's nothing like watching a show and feeling like, wow, when you get to the end, that the characters, even though the character models didn't change, they look different to you at the last episode compared to the first one. And I realized it's because of the emotional investment that we put in them. And... Man, they were like completely different characters in all the best ways and characters that I felt like fell out of facets of my own life. You know, Um, there was definitely I had a crush on a girl when I was in, I think this was fifth grade. Yes, it was. It was in in Tucson, Arizona. And this is back during the Madonna craze. I think she was just like I think she was half Asian. Um, She may have been half Korean and half Italian very exotic looking young lady. And, um, she had thick black hair and just dressed like Madonna. And she was just the funniest, coolest person. And she absolutely reminded me of Wendy Corduroy. It was the very first girl that I could remember talking super awkwardly. My, holy shit. My voice just cracked right now. when I did that. Um, but it did, it was this thing where I remembered that, you know, it was this, that moment I was like, Jesus, this is beautiful and crazy watching Dipper go through that. And you know, his obsession and his, uh, his, his unrequited feelings for Wendy. Now the crazy part is, and I'm going to end on this cause I thought it was really crazy to me that out of all the fantastic things that happened on that show and stuff like that, um, it is, cr- it is wild when you're that age, right? When you're 12, 13 and like anyone who's 16 or 17, they might as well be in their freaking forties. Like they, they're like in a whole other dimension of like age. And I, I thought about that, but then at the same time, I was kind of blown away that, you know, there was this, that age difference made in there that, you know, cause I think that to some degree, Wendy did view him as primarily a friend. He was certainly in the friend zone and that's fine. That's, that's what it was. You know, she, there was nothing wrong there, but I think she did grow rather fond of him over time. And I've seen so much fan artwork that shows him coming back. And I've seen people talk about like, well, you know, when Anakin Skywalker came back, you know, he was clearly years younger than, uh, than, than 
Padme and all these other things. I was like, oh, yeah, I can see that, but maybe, you know, I could, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to do what I never do. Um, I'm going to put a little bit of fandom thought out there. There were two ways because I had brought this up in a discussion. I was like, I could only see this working in two ways where him and Wendy could end up together if that ever were to happen. And I'm really happy with the way the show went and that they stayed friends. That made sense to me. But if it did go this way, using the the universe that they're in, I was actually rather surprised that something they could have done from a narrative standpoint. And this is, again, just my own head cannon, my own little weirdness. I'm rather surprised that Dipper didn't get mortally wounded in some way and that for sure Stan or his brother or somebody was going to have some artifact, something that involved time travel. And what I meant by that was not going back and preventing something, but instead saying it's going to take a while. We need Dipper to get through this. We, we, you know, he can heal, but he's in no condition to take on, you know, cipher or anything else like this. Um, but he's going to take time to heal and that essentially they would have traveled in time. They would have sent him forward in time with this artifact and he would have come back out of it at 16 or 17 years old, which in another way would have also driven a, a, a something of a wedge between him and Mabel because of the age difference. Now they were, they were still twins, but he had lost some years of his life in healing. So he didn't have to lose his life, but then the dynamic changed and he was either the same age or a year older than, than Wendy Corduroy. And I thought, well, that would have been an interesting way to have gone forward with it. The other one that I tend to like a little bit more because it's a bit more grounded in reality and would have been even more reflective of what the basis of the show was, is that, Maybe, you know, even though in that letter that she gave him, it says, see you next summer, which to me means they were going to come back that next summer, right? They would see everybody again, but things would be different. Stan would be gone. He'd be with his brother out on adventures. And, you know, uh, Zeus would be in charge of the of the shack and maybe Wendy would still be working there, you know, kind of a small dead end town. So she'd probably want to stay there because she considered them family and that sort of thing. I figured what would happen if enough time went by that, you know, they didn't come back next summer. Next summer became five or six summers later for whatever reason. I think that would have been interesting to see how the town didn't change, but they had. And then age wouldn't have been such a big difference because I think there's only like three years difference between them. He's 12 and I think she's 15. And if he was turning 13, she would have been 16. Well, if you go five years down the road and he's like 13, whenever they leave five more years, he would have been 18. She would have technically been what, uh, 21 years old. Even that's a bit more acceptable and a, you know, a bit of a different mentality and zone in that, in that whole place. Um, not that I feel that that would have necessarily led to any sort of romantic aspect, but might have given some more dramatic, you know, interplay where, you know, how do you rebuild those friendships after that much time? You know, because um, there's that whole saying about, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, but it can also make it forgetful. And I think that would have made a really cool third season would have been like, well, what is that like later? You know, 
and still kept it fairly Disney, still kept it very family friendly, but still reflective of what real life is. I mean, who out of us hasn't gone back to, you know, somewhere that was once familiar and felt like, you know, it stayed the same and we've moved on? I've had that happen more than I can care to count in my life. All right, guys, thanks for listening. So I guess this one just became kind of a weird uh, reaction and review to uh, Gravity Falls in my own words. I want to thank you guys for listening. I am Mario the Artisan Rogue, and this was a lot of fun. I will catch you in the next episode. Take care.